Ramdas didn't stop doing psychedelics entirely. I think it's just, you know, he found a way to, instead of going up and down, up and down, found a way to make it sort of more of a lateral exploration. If you're doing all of this, you know, intense sadhana and have a deep connection to spirit outside of psychedelics, it makes the use of it, you know, yeah, much, much more gentle. Yeah, yeah, and much more integrated, really. Hey everyone, this is Raghun. I'm back with another mind rolling and I wanted to just say a little bit about this upcoming uh, episode. It's with uh, Zach Leary, who is Tim Leary's son and who is very much uh, a part of our uh, greater Ramdas family and uh, is been pretty dedicated to the ongoing work of uh, how psychedelics can enhance our lives through the kinds of therapy that are, are being experimented with uh, PTSD and addiction and death and dying, and it's proving to be extremely effective. So, uh, Zach does a podcast for MAPS, which is the uh, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and they're the ones who are at the leading edge of getting this, uh, these great therapies legalized. Uh, and it's really close. And they just did a huge uh, convening in, uh, in Denver that we were at that was just uh, quite impressive, all the kind of work that is being done uh, to, to really enhance the effectiveness of psychedelics in treatment. And of course, there's the other aspect where Ramdas was very involved with using psychedelics for inner exploration. And he said at one time, without that, he would not have been able to really uh, completely grok, which is an old word meaning totally in, uh, insightfully understanding Maharaji, who Neem Karoli Baba was when he met him. So, uh, Zach wanted to, uh, to, we agreed to do a podcast together and it, uh, and we agreed, why not put it out on both of our channels? And we talked a lot about Ramdas, a, a lot about the psychedelic work that he's so involved with. And, um, I thought, wow, this is a great thing to share. So that is what uh, you'll be listening to coming up here in a moment. I just want to mention one other thing that's also fabulous, and that is we, meaning the other half that I have at Love, Serve, Remember Foundation, Ramdas.org, we have a wonderful course that's going to be starting at the beginning of October, October 2nd, I believe, with Alan Watts and Ramdas, and it's uh, the Dharma of Alan Watts and, and Ramdas. And, uh, it's extraordinary. It was curated, uh, specifically to address, uh, certain themes around separateness, around, uh, career work and, uh, pleasure and around the balance of the, of, of the, uh, 
what uh, Alan really represented so strongly in terms of the the Tao and the way of things. And then the fourth week is around uh, um, love and transformation, including a lot around relationships, really incredible advice from two beings who came from different sides of the mountain, shall we say, in terms of the way they viewed how to tread the spiritual path and uh, got to the summit and realized it's all one. So it's a great course. Just go to robdas.org slash dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A, and you'll be able to join. And um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm really happy that we're doing this. It's, it's a unique, completely unique event with the two OGs who brought the mystic East to the West. So here we go. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this chat with uh, Zach Leary, who uh, just is is doing the right thing in terms of spreading the word on the MAPS podcast. So here you go. Raghu, welcome to the MAPS podcast. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, it's really great. It's been a while since we did anything like this, so it's great. Yeah, it has been a long time. Yeah, but we... Uh, when we just had a kind of a friendly catch-up call a couple of weeks ago, you started off this conversation, which was, you know, a really great thought-provoking topic. You know, you were at Psychedelic Science and kind of ruminating on it. And like in the midst of all of this great advancement in psychedelic-assisted therapy, and you said very candidly, well, what about everybody else? There's like a whole huge population. I mean, you know, probably most of the psychedelic population who, you know, maybe that doesn't really apply to you know, and I can't think of a better way to sort of talk about Ramdas's legacy and influence in psychedelics. Yeah. <laughs> Ramdas, how about Richard and Tim? Uh, Richard and <laughs> Tim. Yeah, you're dead. It's, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we were thinking a lot about it and just, mm-hmm. uh, well, we went to MAPS really wanting to represent uh, Ramdas's perspective on uh, psychedelics, not in the sense of therapy for specific uh, things like PTSD, addiction, yeah. and and death and dying, particularly. Um, and just, uh, we had just, I don't know if you know this book. It's called LSD. Sidney Cohen and sure. yeah, I know what and Alpert. Yeah, yeah. And then this Classic. beautiful photography in it. Yeah. And so um, that was uh, just actually re-released earlier this year. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think much was done to it. You know, just maybe a little bit reframing and new color picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, cover picture. Um, but anyhow, it's all exactly what it was that you know mm-hmm. that Tim and Richard put out in terms of set and setting and integration and yeah. and outcomes and and all of that so so we just thought yeah we we want to be investigating this a little bit more because for us back then when we started uh, you know following <laughs> Tim and Richard I keep saying thinking <laughs> that because it's a weird thing when I first uh, I didn't know who Ramdas was and I had this radio station yeah, in Canada. PD. Yeah, in Montreal yeah. that I was a PD for, program mm-hmm. director. And they called and said, hey, could you please help us out? We're trying to get an audience into this lecture at McGill University by Ramdas. And I literally said, Ramdas, what's that? 
<laughs> I mean, I had some familiarity with Eastern stuff through, you know, psychedelics, basically. Yeah, but there was so little of it back then. My God, yeah. you but guys were seeing the forefront. There was still, who was it? You know, there was uh, Mayor Baba. There was uh, uh, Alan Watts, right? right? Yeah, so there were a few people. And who I really listened to um, was some of the beat poets and, and so on. Alan Ginsberg was a major, like, upa guru for me. Yeah. So anyhow, they said, and I said, well, okay, I don't know who that is. And they said, you know, Tim Leary, Richard Alpert. And I went, <laughs> shit, I love them. Yeah, okay, well, send over a lecture and a talk of his. You must have something from what he's been doing. He's on tour. And they did, and it was every word. Oh, God, thank God. Somebody's expressing what I couldn't express, but what, you know, is just deeply inside me that wanted to come out. So, well, I mean, I, I think that's really kind of one of the, the magical qualities of Ram Dass, among many, but especially, uh, well, in regards to the psychedelic experience, he was really able to articulate it in a way that, you know, others couldn't, you know, which is something not many people can do. You know, you're kind of left speechless or it's so ephemeral, it's so abstract, but Ram Dass could really kind of take you into that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on all, in all spheres. Yeah. Because he had that great scientific mind psychology which is what i we were attempting to do uh in terms of the presentations we did at maps you know it was uh what we are moving towards is uh is is starting to do more investigation is probably the proper word around science spirituality and psychedelic insight mm -hmm. that's that's our uh placeholder right now we're going to start, you know, doing some summits next year. We're just in the planning stages of it all. But it really is about uh, th the reality uh, that Ramdas set out basically the spiritual path. Yeah. So much of it was the psychology. Of course, he was an incredible psychologist. But so much of it was based on his, his uh, psychedelic experiences. Yeah. And, the, and the experiments that he and Tim did, did you know, back then. Uh, uh, which got them in a whole bunch of hot water and fired, but, but, but still they were, they were real. It was real research in yeah, terms of, you know, that mystical experience, yeah. you know, the Sunday experiments, whatever that was, uh, you know, with, with clerical people and other people yeah. who absolutely, um, were, had significant mystical experiences. Yeah. So so we think that that's well, we want to represent Ramdas's perspective uh, uh, ongoing when with this huge burgeoning of of uh, incredible new information around psychedelics that can help so many people. Yeah, but what about just regular us Joes? We well, first of all, we all have trauma, so let's not even think that okay, it's only you know you came back from uh, you know from being a soldier and you have PTSD now, so you know work with ketamine, work with uh, psilocybin and MDMA, yeah. but, but we all have it. But I think it's more about, we want to sort of get to know, we have the ineffable, right? Interconnective experience, which is just the biggest, um, box that we can put in the core of what happens when, when people ingest a psychedelic. And, you know, we, um, so we just want to then investigate what, because uh, at that time when that ineffable experience ha happens, 
yeah. people have an intention. Okay, I got to find out who more of who who is that being when I was on that journey, you know, and I was beyond judging people. I was beyond, you know, uh, feeling shitty about myself and uh, beyond all of the me, me that we take on on a day-to-day basis. And then suddenly, wow, let's investigate more. So there, there has to be to, to us and, and to Ramdas, there has to be a way to integrate these experiences in a way that you are working on that on a day-to-day basis. It's not just when you trip. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if there's any one uh, kind of quality of the psychedelic experience in the 60s and the model that was kind of put forth back then, it was, I think, the one thing that was lacking and one thing that we're really kind of getting right today is an emphasis on integration. There wasn't too much talk about that back then. I mean, a little bit. It was starting to kind of rumble. But now there's a real method, many methodologies for it. You know, there's no one way to do it. And so many people are talking about it. And, um, and I think, you know, the work that Ramdas did for all of those decades just ties in so perfectly to it because really the essence of it, in my opinion, is having some kind of practice that can augment that amazing transformational experience that you went through and apply it to your daily life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the good thing is when he came back from India, of course, he had that (laughs) incredible experience of giving his, uh, Neem Karoli Baba. Yeah. Uh, um, several hits of white lightning and now you know did you i don't know if you i went through this the other day with a in another podcast with a friend but uh who was at uh, maps in denver but there was uh, leonard i forget his last name who was uh incarcerated for many leonard years picard leonard picard yeah he actually knew the dosage of one hit of white lightning wow it was like six or it was huge six seven hundred micrograms so okay. wow Wow. You know, people now take 50, 75, maybe a hundred, right. you know. The Maharaj, we just got blasted. He, yeah. Beyond anything, you know, you yeah. the humanly possible, but you know, since this human was beyond polarity, it, it was a very different thing. But his saying at that moment to Ramdas, this is good for beginners hmm. and it gets you into a, uh, darshan they call, or being in the presence of the light. In his case, he, he said Christ. And, but after a couple hours, you got to leave. You got to come down. Yeah. And you better to love and, and feed people is what he, what he said in that moment. <laughs> but, but, he, but all of us were not discouraged from some of the experimentation, even then in India. And one of them was, uh, this is really getting into secrets, I guess. It's not mm-hmm. a secret. was ketamine. Mm-hmm. Back then, of course, we called it horse tranquilizer. You know, because it kind of was, <laughs> kind of was. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, actually, uh, Ramdas had a, a trip with it while we were with him up in the Himalayas doing a meditation course. Ah. And, uh, I have never seen, because I had a little peephole, it, it was Indian floors and buildings, you know, it was like shoddy construction and right. there was a little peephole, like a little break in the wood. And I could see, cause I suddenly started hearing hearing this incredible emotive stuff, like sounded like somebody was flying through the universe, <laughs> you know, like a Marvel comic thing, you know, and they were a surfer <laughs> and, right. and he was, yeah. and, and I couldn't believe it. And he was there with somebody else who, uh, who was 
I don't know if he was guiding or what, but anyhow, we all, this is crazy, but we all went, it was about 25 people living in an ashramic thing. We all went into his room because we heard this incredible noise, you know, I mean, these sounds that like they were, uh, beyond human even, you know, and we all went in and we all touched a different part of his body. We were stoned for a week, Zach. <laughs> and what year is, what year is, when was that approximately? Approximately 1971. That's incredibly early for ketamine use too, for psychedelic ketamine. Well, I would, uh, hardly, it was, it was very, well, I don't know. I mean, we were back then just, uh, I told someone the other day, we used to go to the carousel ball or was Bill Graham's before sure, uh, or Winterland. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't matter who was there. We just went there, you know, and Janice might be there, the who, who knows, you know. Right. And we went there and everybody was there with everything possible. Just stick your tongue out. And so, and we had no idea what was, <laughs> what it was. And one time they told me, oh yeah, mescaline is mescaline, which is a, you know, six, eight hour trip of some sort, you know, it was STP, which I don't oh, think they have. But do you, do you know what SDP? Yeah, I do. Three day version. Yeah. It's not really around anymore. Thank God. But <laughs> that's what happened to me. So it, all of this was going on, you know, uh, all, all the time. And, uh, there, yeah. So that was, that was, uh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It shuts down all of the sense doors in a way. That's why it's so valuable therapeutically because you yeah. guys, you know, openly open in, in, in an instant to, uh, seeing your crazy mind. Yeah. I mean, and you know, back to, I mean, one thing I love so much about, uh, the Ramdas model in relationship to psychedelics was, and I tell the story all the time. I told it last night in a talk I gave was, you know, right before he went to India for the first time, he was living at the gatehouse in Millbrook and taking LSD every weekend. And was finally just landed on the frustration of that you have to come down and called Tim up and said, Hey, this is not tenable, Tim. We've blown it. Then he goes to India and meets a guy who doesn't come down. But what's interesting about this historically is that, you know, Ramdas didn't stop doing psychedelics entirely. I think it's just, you know, he found a way to, instead of going up and down, up and down, find a way, found a way to make it sort of more of a lateral exploration. If you're doing all of this, you know, intense sadhana and have a deep connection to spirit outside of psychedelics, it makes the use of it, you know, yeah, much, much more gentle. Yeah. Yeah. And much more integrated, really. It was much part of, you know, he was yeah. doing it as part of his practices. He wasn't, to, oh, let's have another, right. even a ceremony, you know, the repeated experience thing he cautioned against big time. Yeah, that, yes, okay, we do, we, we do regular ayahuasca, people do, yeah. uh, experiences and, and each time we do, we seem to pick up some other insight, you know, into the psyche and so on. Yeah. But uh, the projection possibilities, because that's all we do all day long is project from the I place, uh, is humongous and Ramdas really, uh, cautioned against that. Uh, that it became yeah. a, a very easy way to be attached to it. Be, yeah. Being attached to experience, being attached to a method, which is something you always yep. love to talk, talk about. And that, you know, and we, we see, do see this a lot in today's movement, kind of the chasing of peak experience. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you don't stop to kind of extract, you know, these, 
these downloads and find a pragmatic way to integrate into your life, then you're really just chasing peak experiences, right? Yeah. And we do that. And of course, it's psychedelics are so powerful. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a great propensity to be caught there. Uh, mm. But equally with sex, drugs, with anything, anything. I know them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we all do. And, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but in, in reference to this, in terms of ongoing use relative to uncovering who one truly is so that we can be a, a shall we say a nicely participating human in <laughs> the betterment of this very difficult world we are in right now. this increasingly challenging world that we live in yeah and, and you know an, another thing that i was uh in preparation for this podcast i went back and re-listened to um they here we all are 1969 oh yeah that's the lecture i heard when they sent it over oh, okay yeah yeah vancouver and I, I, I um, usually don't listen to that era that much. I kind of default to some later stuff. But, um, you know, he, it's just so fresh and just, I mean, God, he's just so vibrant, so in it. And it's so potent. But so stoned. <laughs> so stoned too, right? And he's reflecting on on the Harvard years, which were pretty just recent at the time. And, you know, reflecting on him, on them getting fired and saying, well, this wasn't proper scientific use because you guys use these drugs as well. That, therefore, that doesn't make you an observer. Yeah. And he said, well, make me data. I'm data. <laughs> Study me. I'm data. And I love that, that he was just putting himself out there to be, hey, I'm an example of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the great thing is that he did that in every which way. He yeah. was really... Um, quote unquote, a Christ of the, uh, culture really. I mean, and being, being able to be totally honest about where he was. I mean, I remember that in the, in the very beginning and when I met him, I remember exactly how the relief is okay. I'm, I can be a schmageggy. I can, you know, <laughs> negative thoughts and dark, emo you know, I, I don't have to sit here and beat myself up. Wow. Okay. And that was a big deal. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's a really beautiful sentiment. I mean, one, one of the qualities I love most about Ramdas is he never, um, tried to hide his humanity, you know, what he would call funny, holy. Yeah. And, uh, and just really just continue to resonate with that quality of him so much as he just really put his humanity into the teachings as well and using it as kind of a working model. Um, I mean, yeah, what do you think kind of kept him in that, in that space of doing that? He really followed the, uh, the instructions, this spe of love everyone, serve everyone, remember God and tell the truth, which mm -hmm. is the, came from Neem Karoli, Bob. Yeah. Really, the, 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 the reality of, especially around service is what I, I, I think is mm. the main ingredient here because when you do anything in compassion for another soul mm -hmm. in any way, smallest ways, lifting a, this groceries for someone who needs help all the way to sitting with people who are dying. Um, I mean, the reality is that you stop thinking about yourself in that moment. Yep. It's what his holiness, the Dalai Lama calls a selfish, uh, compassion. Something like that, selfish altruism. It's, <laughs> it seems completely, you know, at opposite ends. But yeah, the truth is that when you do it, you are getting benefit by doing this. 
Ramdas realized that early on and did many things to initiate that in himself so he could work with it. You know, he can see, see where there's, you know, kind of bullshit about you're doing something and it's really motivated by some gain or, or some notoriety or whatever. You, you know, we all have these things going on all the time. So he did, but that's a way to work with it. It's not like you're going to go, you can't wait till you're completely clean to do some service in this <laughs> social action, right? Well, you'll probably never get clean. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you, you, you do them, you operate on both planes at the same time. And he did that. And I think, um, I mean, especially when he lived in Maui. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I totally and really. Yeah, a lot. So yeah, you, I was there a lot and I just really saw like the embodiment of that. I mean, as I mean, so many things really fell into place. One that you guys really kind of took over and put an emphasis on his health. You know, I think, you know, even post stroke, but when he was still on the mainland, you know, there were a lot of health issues and it could see, you know, this wasn't really working. It wasn't sustainable. And when he really got to just kind of be in just the embodiment of what Ramdas is supposed to be, you know, free from, well, he couldn't be completely free from all the distractions because his situation was his situation, but yeah. it kind of just created this platform for him just to really just be Ramdas. You know? Yeah. Extraordinary. Fierce Grace, they made a movie. Fierce Grace. Was, you know, and, uh, and, and, but in the beginning he thought it was, you know, the guru gave me a stroke. And it's like, <laughs> when saw Siddhima, which everybody, it's a, a saint that's like our Indian mother and was close to Maharaji forever. Yeah. And he went to Sears and oh, she said, are you crazy? She didn't say it like that. No one but gives you stroke. He gives <laughs> you the ability to transform yourself yeah. in relation to the suffering. And so he, yeah, that all, and that, that happened, absolutely happened in, uh, in Maui. And I, every time I say Maui, by the way, as we just started bringing that up. Yeah. Folks, whenever this comes out, this podcast on uh, maps um, by Zach, Absolutely. God, what has happened over there is just, it's impossible to even think of. Uh, it's just uh, ex the extraordinary suffering. Yeah. Um, anybody, if, you have, if it's in you, uh, somebody told me the other day, actually, the Red Cross, I would have thought Red Cross. You know, such an established, it seems, are, are, I thought they'd be archaic in terms of their ability to deliver what they receive mostly to what's needed, you know, right. which is, our, you know, the, 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 always a problem with these big, but I was told by people on Maui, they're the most efficiently, uh, efficient use of taking the money, donations, and converting it to get it to, pe to where people can. That's really good information. Yeah. A lot of these nonprofits, like, yeah. The ratio of dollar that actually goes to actions low, but that's that's really good information. And yeah, for uh, you know, the Rambas Satsang is well, if you if you know, you know, but where the Lahaina is very close to where the Ramdas retreats um take place and yeah, it can place for the last twelve years and yeah. And it, yeah, so it's hitting us pretty pretty yeah. hard, uh, because we spend so much time there. Yeah. Um uh, but anyhow. That's many a little bit of a side trip here and side trip, but support Maui relief. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but speaking of Maui and, and, and secrets and, um, 
Well, it's not so much a secret because I I do talk about it now and then. Now, I'm not positive it was the last one. That I don't know, but it probably was within the last few, I think, or maybe the last couple. But um, I had the distinct pleasure of doing uh, mushrooms with Ram Dass and um, pretty low dose. It wasn't a super high dose, but I think 2011 when um, Dasima was away. <laughs> and uh and yeah and caretakers yeah it's kept dozen long cats away the mice exactly and it was uh you know yum 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 you know we just uh sat around the pool looked at the flowers and uh chanted a lot of rom 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 but it was uh it was so extraordinary um i mean for me personally the the kind of <laughs> kind of weird thing about it was all i wanted to do was talk him up Maharaji, you know, in that space, we were kind of gelled, you know, and just the colors were so all I wanted to do was talk about Maharaji. All Ramdas wanted to do was talk about Tim. <laughs> and we were kind of caught in this polarity. And I'm like, oh, goodness, I don't want to talk about Tim. <laughs> but he really, um, yeah, and I just bring that up because it was, I mean, I truly one of the most extraordinary experiences of my life, no doubt. But that reverence that he had for, um, for Tim, it really, um, really remained true, mm. you know, person you long. I'd love to, do you have any more remembrance of some of the things he might've said about Tim? Yeah. Well, relationship. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, once I think there was this sort of air, I mean, I'm not starting off negative, but I think at that time, anyway, Tim had a little degree of homophobia to him, you know, in the early sixties. And there was a little bit of uh kind of, you know, I don't know, weird brotherly kind of tension around there. But I really think that, um, yeah, what I uh, rec- uh, remember the most is that Tim really inspired Ram Dass to just like not give a fuck, like just to take these huge risks. You know, Tim was just like, you know, this professor down the hall without an assistant sitting in the smallest office in the department who was just this wild eyed madman, essentially. And that really kind of jarred Ramdas into like, hey, let's just go for it. Let's live our dharma. Let's just throw it out on the table, you know. And Ramdas, you know, up until that point was pretty buttoned up and was, you know, into the plane and the motorcycle and all of the the antiques and, you know, and uh and and that seemed to really be like kind of like the the quality that he was uh remembering was that wow, Tim really just inspired me to be me. You know. Um, Sounds like Alan Watts also. <laughs> yeah. I say that because I've been, we were, work, we were working on a, a course, mm. uh, a four week online course uh, with Ram Dass and Alan Watts. And, uh, are, are, is it, tell me about the format of that. Is that um, or based on, re- based on, on, yeah, on recordings that we have of them, of them together or separate? No, no, separate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Ram Dass recounts some really wild stories about them getting drunk together and all that. Yeah. But, uh, it's a, yeah, the, um, the presence of the way, uh, and it's the Dharma of Alan Watts and Ram Dass and how they come from completely separate, uh, points of view, perspectives, obviously. Mm. And, but they meet at the summit and it's kind of similar to Tim and, and Ram Dass actually. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I, I, I would, I would, kind of agree with that um you know but i think tim really had kind of a an immediate sort of disdain for 
kind of organized spirituality and anything. Yeah, oh yeah, after that, that, that <laughs> mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where you know, Alan didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Well, Alan, no, uh, he didn't. He he says a lot about the bullshit around that. So there, there's a lot of similarities there. Mm. But yeah. um, no, uh, I just, I just think that um, when you watch. So everybody out there, and I'm sure Zach has talked about this before, but uh, Dying to Know, the, the film with uh, his, his dad, Tim, and, and Ram Dass, and Ram Dass had come along, they filled him, being with Tim, yeah. bef- you know, weeks before he died, months, I'm not quite sure, something like that. About three months, yeah. About three months. So um, anyhow, all I'm trying to say is, when I say meets at the summit, mm-hmm. in that film, you see that more clearly than than any other place, any of their previous written stuff together, audio, whatever it was, they are that love. Yeah. You visibly saw the way that they shared that love. Yeah. Unconditionally. So that's what I mean. Yeah. You really see the way that they shared that love. And to me, like when I go back and watch that film too, while I personally ended up you know, I guess the irony in my personal life was that I took the path of Ramdas more than I did. And, um, yeah, for whatever reasons, but, um, that there was still a lot of similarities between the two of them. They took different roads, you know, but kind of sort of circled back. And I found that they had much more in common than they did apart. Yeah. I don't know, maybe because I knew them both so well, but I really picked that up from, from watching that. Yeah. I think one of the things is curiosity. And both that that was a real tying together of of these two men was having a healthy curiosity. Yeah. And yeah, Tim introduced, well, let's not be too afraid to uh y- you know, to uh, nourish that curiosity, shall we say. Yeah, to and, almost do a fall. <laughs> yeah. Um so I think that that's also important and it's part of what we uh in terms of us representing Ram Dass's perspective and our own through the foundation, uh, re, you know, being in respect to psychedelics and mm-hmm. how people can really utilize them as a tool, as an yeah. opening to get it further and further into self-awareness and mindfulness, which is highly important. I mean, people be, uh, become... After, I think um, maybe you can respond to this, but a, a major thing around people having a journey, even, even, even some microdosing might even count for, for part of this, I think. Um, but, you know, what it is is that uh, you become more connected to that curiosity. Yeah. You know, you become more uh, willing to look inside and not afraid of it and and you get that wonderful hit from the psychedelic and sometimes it's not a wonderful hit but it gives you some real fodder for dealing with you <laughs> wonderful or not it does spark a sense of curiosity even if it's challenging it can be the most rewarding yeah. you know insight into your uh, into your behaviors into your yeah. patterns positive or not you know it definitely sparks that yeah so these these two men they definitely espoused that and and lived there that and lived it and a courage was also and that's what you were really 
Ramdas got mm. from Leary. Mm. I mean, Richard got from Leary way yeah. back in the day to, yeah, not take himself so seriously. And yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. And, and also, uh, you know, this other kind of quality to them too. They both, um, you know, they really, either of them really were never afraid to keep evolving and keep kind of upgrading kind of the versions of themselves. They never rested on their greatest hits, you know. They didn't rest on, you know, tune in, turn on, drop out, or be here now. You know, they kept kind of just growing and growing and growing in this incredible sense of, um, I mean, what we call in our community Dharma and purpose, you know, but this work ethic that was just so, so phenomenal, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ram Dass, yeah, it's just extraordinary. Comes out of caring. I mean, and, and you go back to when we talked about where Ram Dass mm. ended up in Maui, where he ended up in terms of perspective of, of truly mm. uh, paying attention to people. I mean, you, you saw it, you know, people yeah. walk in the house and, and he'd be completely, it's like the first time I met him. It just was a field of, okay, what can I do for you? I don't care about Richard or Ramdas or any, that's not relevant right now. And opened up into that. So people trust. That's the next thing that happens. That's another thing when we talk about, uh, the relevance of psychedelics, uh, obviously creating curiosity, creating an effable experience, creating the interconnect, you know, giving you the interconnectivity of everything. I mean, these are, uh, you know, all in incredible things to, uh, be able to use on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And, we, and when you say trust, tell me more about that. What do you mean? Trust in what? Oh, you know, there's a good story. Uh, I, uh, we were in Maui, you know, we were at a retreat and teaching and, and so on. And, uh, I, w- I was with Ramdas and facilitating one thing or another with him. And, we started talking about trust. I guess it was part of the theme of the retreat, trust. Uh, exactly what you just said. What do you mean by trust? We make <laughs> it go so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, look, you know, as far as trust, when I first met you, meaning Ram Dass, okay, I, and I just said what I just mentioned to you. It was just a field of complete unconditionality mm. where letting go into that moment was not difficult whatsoever. And I can only ascribe it to a deep, deep trust. I wouldn't go, faith is a religious thing. I mean, it's kind of a hard word, but trust, we all know. I mean, there's basic trust. And this case, it was trust in, in our own intuition. Mm-hmm. And that, it, it, so I said, Ramdas. so it was you who I initially opened up trust. And I said to him, what about you? What was your first experience with trust? And he looked at me and he went, mushrooms. <laughs> it's great. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a great story. Um, but yeah, when you're kind of juxtaposing trust and, and intuition, I mean, I don't know, Raghu, you've been doing these practices for a really long time now, not to date you or anything, but, <laughs> but you've been doing them for quite a while now. Um, you know, what do you think is that, that core 
kind of method that you fall back on or that core kind of tool that you use to kind of really trust in your intuition and not the monkey mind and distinguishing between the two? Well, it's been Vipassana meditation is one major uh, insight meditation. It's called just using the breath. And then it, it graduates to insight into the reality of impermanence, basically. And that is a way to get behind that monkey mind. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has been a, it, uh, many of us, when we were with Nimkaroli Baba, he'd say, are you going to the course? It was like, he, can you, how do we get rid of these people, these fucking hippies? That <laughs> and, uh, so he would say that, but all of us did, it became a foundation, a foundational practice. And that, and then of course, that combined with mindfulness really allows you to see your motivations, your self-interest, your self-cherishing as the Buddhists call it. Uh, this is, without that, it's, I, I can't see how people operate mm. from this judging mind, from the I, you know, you're a stinker, you, you know, you, what are you thinking and what, oh God, you're so self, you know, and the judgment on top of it. I mean, it's just a horrible, um, like being in an echo chamber. Yeah. And it then makes people really unhappy, you know? And, and so again, back to the psychedelics, give you a glimpse. Yeah. Uh, we are connected. We are not separate. Yeah. Right? There is a something we can't name it, but completely experienced it that, uh, you know, uh, the words that we have constructed over time, God and uh, Buddha mind, whatever, they all don't really say it because it can't be said. So, but when you have these, uh, this powerful experience, then you realize there is a rudder that I can aim for in terms of, uh, moving out of the self-centered separate individual Mm. and yeah um, yeah so Uh, meditative practice mindfulness but there's plenty there's chanting there's there's um uh, mantra repetition there's uh doing diaries journals there's i mean you can go on and on and on uh, retreats whatever it is there's a lot of methods these days a lot of yeah it's beautiful (laughs) and of course they're all available in an instance with yeah they are um, and, you know, and another commonality too, that I find between, well, that I find between well, all the methods really, but between psychedelics and, and bhakti specifically are that, that kind of that sense of sort of honing in and on your intuition and your own divinity within you. But that sense that, that discovery that it's been there all along, but I forgot for whatever reason, it's my ego is so strong, my addictions are so strong whatever it is but i forget we're quick forgetters and these methods really help us or help me speaking for myself to not forget as much yeah yeah and when you forget and you realize it you do as sri aurobindo said you fall in the mud you pick yourself up first your hands and then get (laughs) up your knees and stand up again and keep moving Mm. you know or sharon our dear friend sharon salzberg who says the beauty of us as humans is we can start over. So oh. like even just your cot, you, you've been thinking about some fantasy for, while you're meditating for 
five minutes or something not completely gone. And then you go, oh my God, I'm an idiot. I can't believe I can't even keep focus on a breath. And then, but you know, that is the way we pile on ourselves too. Once that happens, you go, yeah. And also I told that person something terrible and, uh, you know, and next and next and next, and you just pile on. Yeah. No, the, the reality is just remember, we can come back. We can come back. And even on like a much, on a larger macro sense, if you go through a personal tragedy or trauma yeah. or, or whatever it is, some grief, loss, addiction, suffering, deep suffering, you can start over. You can rebuild. Yeah. That's extraordinarily important to, yeah. to have that in, in the arsenal for sure. And that can only happen and be real. Unfortunately, like anything, tennis, I love tennis. So you got to practice. Mm. You cannot just go out there and think that you'll have a real interaction with somebody without practicing. Oh my goodness. Ain't that the truth, man? Goodness gracious. I've started hitting, uh, I started, I played baseball when I was younger, hardball, oh. and I've started going back to the batting cage and it's like, Ooh. oh shit, <laughs> this, this, you can't jump back in again. <laughs> um, but you know, one other thing I wanted to ask, um, mm. you know, I think in December, it's going to be four years since RD left his body, right? Four or five, four? It's going to be four, four. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, that's created a little bit of, you know, distance from him being in his body and around and you kind of, you know, so immersed and enmeshed in you know, the living state of Ram Dass and where he's, where he's going to be and what's he going to do. Um, what, do you have any different kind of thoughts on his legacy and core message now that might've been a little bit different than say 10 years ago? Or is it just kind of the same, but just more solid? Well, it, I mean, for us, of course it evolved again in Maui, very much so. I mean, we're talking about all these practices. We have to, uh, probably mention to the audience, Ramdas's biggest thing, biggest teaching rather, uh, everyone thinks be here now. And yeah, it was still going on. Be here now. He was still very much talking about just being in the present moment all through till he died. But the other thing that was really powerful was a meditation called I am loving awareness. Mm. And basically just getting out of the story you tell yourself in your head, the I that judges everything and moving through the breath, just taking some deep breaths into the center of one's chest, the spiritual heart, as they call it. And I am loving awareness and just expanding a kind of heat in that area as you breathe into it. So you really do move out of this crazy mind that just wants to control everything. So that powerful, powerful teaching was kind of the culmination of his teaching career, if you want to call it that. And, uh, yeah, I think, it, and you, you well know it because he was doing it for, for a number yeah. of years before he left. And I think that that contribution is extraordinary. And we, uh, you know, um, in the, um, in the retreats that we're doing with people in, in-person retreats, we are constantly referring back to both of those, they're like bookends, be here now, loving awareness. And that, that is how this whole thing continues to move forward, you know, and obviously like doing this course with Alan Watts, just going in and, 
and and just moving from his perspective, Ramdas, to Alan's perspective, you know, uh, that just shines a light in a completely different way, mm-hmm. as I, as we mentioned before, and this similarly to uh, to Tim and and Ramdas. So, but these are bookends. Yeah, I, I, this is just a new thought. I love it. Be here now, loving awareness, <laughs> and fifty years apart. You yeah. know, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, you, uh, yeah, and I'd be curious to to see like how the Alan Watts course kind of shakes out and you're going to be doing some more kind of uh, psychedelically kind of summits and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think one extraordinary thing about the role that you've played in uh, Love, Surf, Remember is that, you know, you have done this amazing job of archiving Ramdas's work, whereas prior it was kind of, you know, all over the place and various uh, disorganized kind of. No, but they didn't have a cloud back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, do you see um, Ram Dass's work as kind of going in different sort of phases and evolutions and going, moving away from one thing, going back to another, revisiting an old concept, starting a new concept? Because See, there's a lot of teachings out there, you know, 50 years worth. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of, mm. it's called to action in, in terms of how we mine this incredible catalog. Mm. Uh, and we have, you know, we haven't even, I mean, we're just about to get to offering people a way to, to get into the retreats that he did in Maui for those 15 years or so. Um, so. It's, but it's called by what's happening. The, the actual, uh, I'll give you a good example. We did a course and then we, it was around heartfulness, which is, uh, you know, that's in, the, if we got bookends of loving awareness and be here now, what fills the space is heartfulness. Heartfulness. Okay. Heartfulness. Yeah. yeah. Which is robbed us, you know, he gave a shit about it. Everyone and everything, or especially by the time he got to Maui. Yeah. Um, but um, we asked people, what, what is it that is top on your list of what you would like to have uh, uh, teachings from Ram Dass, basically? And they wrote back, you know what? A lot of it was around, I, how do I even take step one to creating a practice and a perspective for myself? that uh, allows me to not be completely caught in my life, basically. Mm-hmm. Those, and th- there was a few other things, but those were a couple of things. So Ramdas has, you know, has it in spades in terms of, of that kind of advisal. Uh, so we, we're, we get the calling from people and we fulfill it the best we can. We have a, a, some great people who know how to mind. Yeah, and... Speaking of the calling, I mean, I'm, I'm just so happy to hear about these kind of psychedelically oriented summits that you guys are going to be doing because I do think in the last, you know, 10, 15 years of his life, you know, he certainly talked about psychedelics, but it wasn't as much of a, of a focus, you know? So, um, yeah, tell me anything though. Really? He didn't talk that much. I mean, the beauty was hanging out with him and he, he wasn't necessarily going on. Yeah. It it wasn't much, but. Yeah, tell our listeners a little bit about what these psychedelic summits are going to be, who's going to be there, what's the format? Well, we haven't gone that far yet, but I mean, oh. you know, obviously there are, well, let's start. We're going to ask Rick 
Of course. If you're listening, I'm going to ask you to come and join us. Um, but, uh, you know, and Rick has a real relationship with Ram Dass. And, um, you know, some of the, there, there's, what we're trying to do is bring together, and when we talk about science, so there's the science of spirituality. There's the, the, how science has, um, you know, with Richie Davidson and other people, they've really, you know, Dalai Lama has been involved. They've really proven out these meditative states that are exemplified, particularly in the Tibetan tradition, and they have the context for it. Um, they're proving it out. It's real. Um, mm. So there's a substantiation by virtue of science that is this on one level. Then there's, you know, you take the science of breath work, for instance. There's a real science of breath work that shows that uh, not just for consciousness, but for health. And there was a great Absolutely. book on the breath. I, I did a podcast with somebody on mind rolling um, that it's so effective. It's incredible. So um, there are people out there that they really carry the ball from the science level of it and from the spirituality side. And particularly around uh, um, Tony Bosses. Love Tony. Yeah. I mean, this is wonderful. And he has such a huge heart. Yeah. You know, that's what we're talking about. Bringing people together that, and in that way, he's completely wide open. So they're like wide open to, to basically the two traditions, you know, and, and being able to use the mind uh, as a servant, shall we say, as Ram Dass used to say, you know, well, mind, the ego is a bad master, but a good servant. You know, yeah. If we can get it into that. So we want to bring that to the table. Okay. Uh, you know, alongside of, uh, you know, people that have really um, gone into uh, the kind of work that therapy work, but ne not necessarily with what, what Rick and, and many of, and Tony and all these people are doing, which is working to see the efficacy in particular of these uh, anthenogens with, with PTSD and these other, and working particularly on that in a scientific study. Yeah. Um, we're more interested, uh, not more interested, that's BS, but we'd like to present Ram Dass's view, which is how do you integrate that into your daily life? And that's the central premise. Yeah. You know, how, how do we, uh, nourish the sense of awe, wonderment that yeah. comes along with, with the psychedelic experience? How do we then, what are we kind of adding into the mix in terms of saying, here's where you can go once you have this experience, here's where you can go to nourish it on a day-to-day -day ba basis, you know, nurture it. So that, that's a central premise. I mean, we're going to have a lot more. Uh, you know, stuff around neuroscience and the ability for, uh, of the brain to, to actually change and, and we can convert our habitual patterns. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's happening. Oh, fantastic. Good. And that's a fantastic update. I love it. And I know our listeners will love it too. Um, yeah, well, you, you'll be there too. I'd love to. Yeah. Um, yeah, Raghu, thank you so much for coming on the maps podcast. It's great to see you. Uh, long overdue yeah really really zach and i haven't been in touch uh over the pandemic and yeah. so you know it's really wonderful and i i thank you and and by the way the the movie we were talking about you got to mention it dying to know 
yeah. is being made into a book. So actually, it's kind of interesting the way you can really linger. Whereas the movies go, boo, 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 you read a paragraph. Oh, wait a minute. That's interesting. Go back. Some of the photos, my gosh, man, made. Oh. They're just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, really great. Well, Raghu, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. 